This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church. www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org Good morning, everyone. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing all of us um, to be here and worship you and have this time of fellowship. I ask that you continue um, to let there be good weather and uh, for it not to rain on us, Lord. Um, I ask that we'd all um, be able to learn um, from pastor's message today and that um, maybe someone might get to know the Lord or get closer to God. And in Jesus' name, amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to James chapter 5 this morning, James chapter 5. And the message today is about not giving up, not giving up, James chapter 5, as we read in verses 7 to 11, because the Lord's approach is near. We see in James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11, the near return of the Lord. Let's read that together in verses 7 to 11, James chapter 5. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it. And if I can just start that over, I want to read the way that It is in the original. The word is instead of patience, long-suffering. I think it's important for us to uh, recognize the difference in the words. Therefore, be be long-suffering, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being long-suffering about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be long-suffering. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of our suffering and long-suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You've heard of the endurance of Job, the patience of Job, and have seen the outcoming of the Lord's dealings that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. And so what we see in these verses this morning are an encouragement for you not to give up. And there are several aspects that James mentions here as to not giving up. And in verse 7, James tells us, don't give up on the lost. Don't give up on the unsaved on unbelievers. He says in verse 7, be long-suffering until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being long-suffering about it. And he gives us this idea about the, the crop, about the produce, the fruit of those who would be saved. And he tells us, don't give up on the lost. Don't give up on unbelievers. Because the unsaved can be the unsaved can be cantankerous. The unsaved can be difficult with you. They can give you a hard time because of your Christianity. 
We have to expect that and understand that and recognize that the unsaved will act like, well, the unsaved. And James tells us to be long-suffering with them until they've received the early and the late rains. You see, there's a necessity for the Holy Spirit to be drawing people to Jesus Christ. There's a necessity for Him to work in the heart of an unbeliever to show them their need. There needs to be the early rain. There needs to be the latter rain. The gospel needs to rain on their hearts. You need to be a conduit of the water. Thank you. I'll try to be careful. Thank you. That there needs to be this watering by the Word into the heart of the unbeliever. They need to hear that Jesus Christ died for their sin, that without Him they will perish in their sin, and that if they turn to Him, if they call upon Him, they will be saved. And so there needs to be this watering of the early and latter rains because the soil of their heart may be acidic. They may need some fertilizer on the soil to make it ready to receive and produce fruit. The environment in which they were raised up may have been harsh. It may have been too dry or too wet. They need to be able to hear the voice of the Spirit of God and the truth of the Gospel of God in their own hearts. And so we need to be long-suffering. Oh, certainly someone may hear it and believe it the first time. But it's only because already the Holy Spirit has been working in their hearts. And some of you, you want people to get saved so bad, and they have to get saved right, right now, you want to take, listen, you're going you're to take all of these peanuts and stuff it down their throat, the whole bottle, and you're going to keep stuffing it until they really want it. not how it works. We have to be long-suffering. That means we need to be waiting along with them when they're ready to hear and willing to hear. And maybe that means sharing a couple of them to start, giving a few of them to begin with. And then they'll ask for more. We need to be long-suffering, James says. Don't give up. It doesn't matter if it's a year or ten years. There are people I've been praying for and sharing the gospel with for years. My mom, it took seven years of praying and speaking to her before God opened the eyes of her heart and removed the blinders from her to see and believe and call upon the name of the Lord. Don't give up on unbelievers. But then James says this, don't quit. Don't give up on the Lord's service. And he says in verse 8, be long-suffering with yourself. Be long-suffering with yourself. Man, I, I, I just can't do anything right. I just, I, I just keep failing. I just mess up too much. Shouldn't I be perfect by now? 
James says in verse 8, don't give up on yourself. You too belong suffering. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't give up. Don't quit. Where would we be if... The inventor of the light bulb stopped at failed project number 812, right? And Edison kept messing up. And, and, and he, he, you know, his, his helper said, why don't we just give up? We've tried 700 and whatever number of things. He says, well, that means there's 700 that we know don't work. James says, don't give up on yourself. It doesn't matter if you, you've failed before, you've messed up again and again. Paul, James says, strengthen your hearts. How are you supposed to strengthen your hearts? That word is only used several times in the New Testament, that word strengthen, this particular word for strengthen. And, and we can see several things that we are to do to strengthen our hearts. Number one, by meeting together. The words used in Luke 2, 22, Jesus says to Peter, before he is about to... Um, before he is about to uh, betray, uh, sorry, deny the Lord Jesus, Jesus tells him, you're going, to be, you're going to deny me, but he says, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. It's by meeting together that we strengthen one another. We begin in isolation to uh, just think that we're all alone, and that's how the devil grabs a hold of us. That's how the devil takes us and, and, and throws us here and there. Strengthen your hearts by meeting together. Secondly, the word is used in Acts chapter 18, where it says, "Having Luke is writing, having spent time there, Paul left, passed successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. How are you going to strengthen your heart? By listening to the Word. Take time to listen to the Word. Put the Word in your heart. Be in the Word of God daily. You know what? The news is too bad today to be overdosing on the news and not filling yourself with the Word. Strengthen your hearts, James says, by listening to the Word. Thirdly, the Word is used in Romans 16.25 where Paul says, Now to him who is able to establish, and that word establish is the same word, strengthen, him to, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past. You see, the strengthening of the gospel works in the heart even of the believer. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, it's this word that strengthens you, that works in your heart. When you understand that God loved you so much, He sent His Son to die on your, in your place so that you could have eternal life if you would but turn to Him, call upon Him and receive Him as Savior. His love for you is seen in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It strengthens our own heart, reminding us, God loved me so much. A friend of mine has a shirt that says, are you a whosoever I am? Which begs the question, what's a whosoever? For God so loved 
the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gospel strengthens our heart because it reminds us that I'm a whosoever. I'm one that God loved and God saved and God gave the grace of Jesus Christ to. Strengthen your hearts by listening to the gospel. Fourthly, James said, or that word is used in 1 Thessalonians 3, where Paul writes, May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in your love for one another, for all people, as we do for you, that he may establish, he may strengthen your hearts without blame in the holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints, seeking God's love through his Holy Spirit is going to strengthen your heart. That's what he says here, that God may cause you to increase and abound in love. May he strengthen your hearts by love. Seeking God's love by the Spirit. God will strengthen your heart. Fifthly, by seeking God himself. Seeking God himself. In in 2 Thessalonians, Paul uses that same word in chapter 3. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. You can strengthen your heart by drawing near to God. James, in the previous chapter, says draw near to God. God will draw near to you. You see, God's not drawing near to you if you're not drawing near to Him. It requires you to draw near to Him. But the promise is, if you do that, He will draw near to you. It's like the prodigal son, who when he turned, he didn't have to wait long for his father to come running. His father came running to embrace him and welcome him back. Strengthen your heart by drawing near to God, seeking God Himself. He'll strengthen your heart. Sixthly, by serving the Lord. Think about this. In 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul says this, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us, who's given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your heart in every good work and word. Listen, it's not too long before the Lord returns. Get to work. Don't give up. Don't quit serving Him. That's going to strengthen your heart when you say, I'm going to serve the Lord. Well, the Lord's return is near. Get working. Get serving. God will strengthen your heart. Oh, I don't have enough strength to serve Him. Serve Him with the strength you have, and God will supply by serving the Lord. Strengthen your heart. James says in verse 8, Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't quit. Don't give up. The Lord is near. Don't quit serving Him. Don't give up on unbelievers. Don't give up serving Him in the body. Thirdly, Don't complain. Don't complain. Don't give up on believers. Be long-suffering with believers. Verse 9, don't complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. The judge is near. That's what James tells us. Why should we be long-suffering with other believers? Why shouldn't we quit on other believers? 
Are you fed up with unbelievers? Be long-suffering. Are you fed up with serving the Lord? Don't quit. Are you fed up with brothers and sisters in Christ? Don't give up on them. They're a piece of work just like you. They need you just as much as you need them. Don't give up on the Lord. Don't give up on one another. James tells us because the judge is near. The judge is near. He's standing right at the door. He's looking in. He's got the door cracked, and he's looking into your room. Jesus said, with the measure that you measure others, it will be measured to you. Be careful when you complain against brothers and sisters. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Full measure, pressed down and overflowing. Do you really want that kind of judgment against you? Man, you can give a judgment, but God's going to put it back and he's going to fill the whole cup. Did you ever do that when you were cooking and you, you had it called for a cup of something? Did you just kind of fill it a little bit? Or did you fill it up and then it came over and you press it down to get a full cup? God's going to give that back to you if you give that to others. Don't, don't complain. The judge is near. Secondly, James says, think of the example of the prophets. You might think, well, nobody's accepting my service for the Lord. Nobody's receiving what I'm doing. Here's this example of the prophets. The people rejected them. But it was still beneficial. Don't quit. Don't give up on your brothers. Don't judge them. Think of the example of the prophets. They were faithful and long-suffering in the midst of rejection. Don't give up. Thirdly, James says, why should you not complain against one another, against other believers? Look at the example of Job. And it's here that James actually uses the word patience. Job's humility brought him full and overflowing restoration before the Lord. In Job 42.6, Job said, after he had understood and saw God and heard his voice, he said, therefore I retract what I said. I repent in dust and ashes. God blessed him. God blessed him and God blessed his friends because of him. God spoke to his friends who were just as wrong and they, he said, Job's going to offer a sacrifice for you and you'll be okay. And James encourages us why. Why should we look to the example of Job? Well, because he says, look at the Lord. Look at the Lord. The very last verse of this in, in, in verse 11, the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Rest in the Lord's compassion and mercy. Rest in Him. Rest in His mercy and His, His love for you to bring restoration. You see that word that James uses here for compassion? It's only found here in the New Testament. Don't worry, that's not thunder, that's the wind blowing through my microphone. The, uh, somebody told me this morning, there's 1% chance of rain, so that means, according to the, to the actual forecast, it's like 50-50, right? Depends on whether you listen to CV, CVB or PRI, right? So, James 
says here, the Lord is full of compassion. That word's only used here. Literally, it's much compassion. The Lord has much compassion. And that's seen in how he's dealt with you. It's seen in how he's dealt with me, with his long-suffering toward us. The Lord is long-suffering toward us. Psalm 103, verse 14 says, He knows our frame, that he is mindful that we are but dust. He's been long-suffering, which says this, The Lord's been long-suffering with you, every one of you. I ought to be long-suffering with others. You see, I can be, be long-suffering with those who don't know Jesus as their Savior. I can be long-suffering in my service for Jesus. I can strengthen my own, my own heart in it. I can be long-suffering with other believers who aren't maybe act, acting like believers. And I can rest that God has been gracious, compassionate, long-suffering toward me. Well, maybe you're here this day and you're saying, I was just about to quit. Maybe like the psalmist in Psalm 73. I was just about to call it quits and give in. Till I went to the place of the Lord and I saw their end. You see, God has been so gracious to you. God sent a Savior. You see, without the Savior and without His grace, all your hope would be to live a long life now because you're going to hell when you die. That's all you'd have. The longer I can stay alive, the better time I'll have because all that will be left is hell for me. God has been so gracious. He's given a Savior, His own Son. He didn't give somebody else up. He gave His own Son in your place, in my place, for our sin. And maybe you're here today. You're without Christ. You can't say, I don't know. You, you say, I'm not sure. If I were to die today, I might, I, I'd go to hell. I don't know if I'd go to heaven or not. I hope I would, but I'm not sure. God's graciousness to you is you can be sure. You can receive the grace of God in Jesus Christ. If you've never called upon Him, if you've never received Him as your Savior, you can today. You maybe say, well, I believe in Him. The Bible says, and James says it right here in in, in Acts chapter, in, in James chapter 2, the demons believe and they tremble. I was talking with a lady this Friday, and she said, well, I believe in God. I've desired to be with God all my life. I, I've wanted to go to church and hear about God. And I said, that's fine, and you can believe. I said, do you believe that Jesus died and rose for you? Yes, I do. I said, that's fine. But if you've never called upon him, that belief is vain. If you've never received Him as your Lord and Savior, you are without hope. You are without Christ. You are without eternal life, and you will perish in your sin. Because it's not just believing in your head what God has done for you. It's receiving it. And the Bible says by confessing your need of the Savior, repenting of your sin, calling upon Him and saying, Jesus is to be my Savior. Call upon Him. Receive Him. The Bible says all who do will be saved. And if you're here this morning and you need to receive Christ, we're going to sing an invitation song before the Lord's Supper. If you need to call upon Him, if you just come down, I'll be right here, that you might call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. But if not, 
um, you can only have the hope of living a long life before you perish. Today is the day of salvation. Today you can be saved and receive Him as your Savior. So as we sing, Sam, do we have, a, do we have that in the bulletin as well? We don't? What song is it? Before the throne of God. Let's stand together. If you know it, just sing with us. And if not, uh, just listen. If you need Christ as your Savior, would you come forward? Receive Christ as your Savior today. You'll never be, you'll never regret that very day. You come to receive Him. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. Before we sing that next verse, do you need Christ as your Savior? Would you call upon him? Would you come this morning? As we begin to sing that second verse, would you come and receive him? Come and call upon the name of the Lord if you would today. As we sing on that second verse. When Satan tempts me to despair And tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinless soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. To look on Him and pardon me. Right, you may be seated. Those that are assisting with the Lord's Supper would come. With that, let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day and for your love for us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us and through us, help us to seek your face and to hear your voice, to walk with you. Bring us back tonight um, to our building. And uh, as we hear of uh, your Lord's work, your son's work in uh, the upper room where he was bringing his disciples, how he was speaking to them of the work he was about to accomplish on the cross. Father, we just pray and ask that you would help us to love you and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.